Thank you, Andrew. Morning, everyone. You're doing all right? Great. Uh, I want to start this morning with a question. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are we here this morning? Big question, really. Maybe just ponder that for a moment. <laughs> this, why are we here this morning? Why do we gather as a church? Would it not just be simpler to have our relationships with Jesus and not bother with this whole gathering together part. Maybe the introverts among us, maybe myself included, may certainly think this some of the time. Based on the pretty hectic week I've just had, I would certainly have asked myself that question this morning if I wasn't preaching. <laughs> maybe it was a huge effort for you to be here this morning. You probably asked, is it worth it? Well, if that's you this morning, well done. <laughs> Well done. I just want to recognise that even being here for some is a real challenge. However, there are others among you who are gather, who gathering with others is kind of a real joy. It's energising for you. Most likely the ones of you who are still here when we're turning the lights off at one o'clock. So why do we gather throughout the week on Sundays as a church? How does that help us follow Jesus' calling for our lives? helping us to live out the mission that he's called us to? Well, yes, there are probably lots of really simple answers, but I want us to go a bit deeper this morning as we continue this series, Being Devoted. This series is all about the rhythms of the Christian community on mission together. When we respond to the gospel of God, we are forgiven, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're adopted as God's children, and we are part of his family. We are made into to partners and fellow workers with God in his kingdom, living and active today. Acts 2 describes what it's like to be part of the very first church. And as we look at that passage throughout this series, we see that it actually calls us to be devoted to, what it actually calls us to be devoted to, to be in love with so I'm going to read that passage. We read it last week, and we're probably going to keep reading it throughout this whole series, but it's a really great passage. So it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this morning we're focused on being devoted to fellowship. So let me first define that, since it's a not really a massively common word outside the church. We probably all know what it means, but it's not used in everyday life, really, apart from maybe in Lord of the Rings. And it would probably be wrong of me to be preaching on fellowship and not at least give you a quote from the Fellowship of the Ring. So this is a quote from Mary. You can trust us to stick with you through thick and thin to the bitter end but you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Simply, I would say, fellowship is the relationship that we have with one another as Christians because of our fellowship and relationship with God. 
Our fellowship with each other is firstly and primarily based on the relationship we have with Jesus. That is so key. Otherwise, we have a nice social club. It's first and foremost based on our relationship with Jesus, then our relationship and friendship with each other. When we respond to the gospel of God, we are forgiven, but we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're adopted as God's children and added into his family. At the Oak, we say that we outwork our vision by loving God, by loving his family, and by loving his world. The church, the global church, becomes our family. We are now brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. Family can be messy and complicated. And on a day like today, as we kind of celebrate the dads amongst us, we probably know that even more than ever. But we are part of his family. That's kind of a given when we become Christians. You can't just go, well, I want the relationship with God, the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, yep, great, but you lot? Nope. (laughs) Not have that bit. We aren't an optional extra. About 15 years ago, I picked up this book. They like Jesus, but not the church. At the time, I was having a lot of conversations with friends at uni about Jesus, and generally their first reaction was, not the church. The guy that wrote this book says, ask someone today if he or she likes Jesus, and the answer is usually yes. But ask if that person likes the church, and the chances are you'll get a far less favourable response. I think our culture has changed a bit over the last few years, to be honest, and the answer to that first question may also not be yes. But people are open to God. The church is often the thing that they're a bit more unsure about. Statistics continue to reveal an unsettling exodus from the church by younger people who are open to God, but don't care for the church. We've still got work to do to show the world that God's community, his church, is is not that complicated. It's simply a group of broken people wanting to love Jesus more. I want to say, we, we were created for community, Firstly, with God. Secondly, with each other. We were designed to be in community. For some of us, that is like, yes, and others, that's harder. But as Christians, we are part of his family. And therefore, we get to enjoy life as family. And we were created for community. We know from Genesis, when Adam and Eve were first created, that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. From the very beginning, God had always planned for his people to be in community, for his people to be in fellowship with each other, enjoying God together. Charles Spurgeon said, Satan always hates Christians, Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide us from one another, he delights in. He delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly communication than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Since union is strength, He does his best to promote separation. So this morning I want us to be reminded of the joy and the purpose of why we gather, why we have community as Christians, and why fellowship is so much more than just a nice social club. If we as Christians are serious about spiritual growth, we must also be serious about the body of Christ, the church. Growth is never never meant to be a matter of mere individual pursuit 
of God. It's always pictured as something we pursue as community together. I want to propose that being devoted to fellowship with each other leads to three main outcomes. Fellowship builds friendship. Fellowship grows faith, and fellowship expands God's kingdom. So firstly, friendship. The New Testament word for fellowship expresses the idea of being together for mutual benefit, as I've said, being together to enjoy God, growing in fellowship with God and growing in our relationship and friendship with each other. The example of the early church, as we see in Acts 2, included extensive involvement in fellowship. This fellowship included both spiritual gatherings, either in the temple or in their homes, and informal times of social and spiritual relationship building. In the passage we just read, we heard that every day, every day, they continued to meet together. Their involvement was more or less daily. Real fellowship means not just attendance on a Sunday or two but successfully building supportive friendships, enjoying a spirit-filled life together. I'm confident that their meetings every day were a combination of this social and spiritual connection they were having and building together. It's why since we started The Oak, we've always had life groups helping to create deep friendships, encouraging each other in our walks with Jesus, that combination of those two things. It's why our community groups continue to evolve and grow as we look to find the most helpful way to create community together with Jesus at the centre and where we can grow in friendship with each other, helping each of us know more of Jesus. The Bible tells the story of creation, breaking and fracturing and ultimately restoration of true friendship. Friendship with God and also with each other. In the beginning, Adam and Eve enjoyed the fullness of friendship, but their sin led to them hiding, didn't it? We've, we've all been hiding behind our own fig leaves ever since. Yet God is restoring true friendship. He restores friendship with himself, as he did with Enoch and Noah, who walked with God Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses spoke with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. He drew near to all who called upon him with true faith. And then Jesus came as the great friend of sinners, befriending all who trust and follow him. He came to lay his life down for his friends, for us. Now all those befriended by God are brought into communities of friendship in the church. We can now befriend others as God in Christ has befriended us. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Love each other deeply. Friendship comes from a place of love, a place of service, of hospitality, of being there for each other. I'm always drawn to great examples of friendship in the Bible to help model this for us. What does real biblical friendship look like? Following a severe famine, Elimelech and his wife Naomi took their two sons to live in the country of Moab. Tragically, Elimelech died, followed years later by Naomi's two sons, who by that point had married two women called Naomi and Orpah. Instead of returning to her home, Ruth insisted 
on accompanying Naomi to Israel. We read in the book of Ruth, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if death separates you and me. Ruth stuck by her mother-in-law during an extremely challenging time. Despite being from different cultures, different places, different generations, Naomi and Ruth established a deep bond. Their commitment to each other is a great example of Christ-like sacrifice. Ruth ended up marrying one of Naomi's relatives, Boaz, friendship at its deepest. And then probably one of the most powerful friendships in the New Testament is between Paul and Barnabas. I love their story. Together they launched the first missionary journey and were a great church planting team. For over two years, they planted over a dozen churches. They thrived together as they followed God's calling on their lives and their passion to see others know him. Their friendship grew as they worked together for the mission of God. But then, I don't want to hide the fact that on their second missionary journey, Barnabas suggested that they take a friend, a guy called John, who was also called Mark, a bit confusing, and the two men had a sharp disagreement, as the passage says. And as you can read in Acts 15, and they end up going on separate journeys. However, despite their disagreement, these two friends continued to have great respect for each other. They had love for each other, and they had a huge impact because they knew what they were doing was for the mission of God. Friendship doesn't always mean agreeing with each other, but journeying together, following Jesus together, enjoying life together for the greater purpose of seeing God's kingdom come. And then finally, we see the letters in the New Testament. Most of them in their writing refer to the churches that they're writing to as friends. They've built deep relationships as they've worked together for the mission of God. Throughout scripture, we see there is a calling to build genuine friendships in Jesus-centered community and meeting together, being church together, loving each other in fellowship leads to deep friendships. They don't just happen overnight. It requires investment, time, purposeful love for each other. When was the last time you invited somebody new around maybe for lunch or coffee? I particularly want to challenge those of us who have been at the Oak for a while, where maybe you have strong friendships. Let's welcome others in, widen our circles, grow our friendships, offer hospitality, and invest in fellowship and friendship with each other. Ian and Cindy, thank you. Last week we came to your house. It was a pleasure. It was great to get to know you and some others that we were with you with. Friendships take time and effort, and they take people opening up their homes to be in community together. We were created for community. Secondly, fellowship grows faith. As we gather, as we have fellowship together, our faith is grown. Simple attendance doesn't grow our faith. But as we live lives together and friendships are formed, our faith grows. Faith grows in fellowship, not followership. Following Jesus, but not fellowshipping with him and with his church isn't the way God designed things to be. As I said, we were created for community. No matter where we are in our faith, fellowship provides us with strength. Being around other believers gives us the chance to learn and grow, 
sharing stories, hearing testimonies, hearing how each of us has faith in Jesus and what that looks like. Standing together in the difficult, challenging times and the highs and the lows produces disciples with growing faith. We all have bad moments, whether it's the loss of a loved one, failed exam, money problems, even a crisis of faith, we can find ourselves in a difficult place. It can lead to anger and a feeling of disillusionment with God. Yet these low times are why fellowship is important. Spending time with other believers can help lift us and point each other to Jesus. They help us keep our eyes on God. Coming together with others can aid our healing process and give us the encouragement to move forward. Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Motivate one another to acts of love. Do not neglect meeting together, encouraging one another. Coming together with other believers in worship and conversation helps to remind us that we are not alone. There are believers everywhere. It's amazing that no matter where you go, your chants are, you'll bump into another believer. It's like you suddenly feel at home when that happens. I remember on our last holiday as a family, we were walking around a little town called Bridge North in Shropshire, doing a trail, looking at train art sculptures. I thought I'd put a picture up because what's the train art sculpture? It's like a model train covered in art. It's great. Uh, but it was awful weather. It was like booking it down. It was like one of the just bad planned day, walking around town in pouring rain. And I remember I wasn't having fun. The kids were. I wasn't. And we walked down this small street and this guy on the edge of the road kind of shouted us and called us over and invited us into a building. At that point, we had no idea, but we were like, yes, let's get out of the rain. Uh, turned out he was a very friendly uh, Christian church leader. They were running a coffee morning, uh, offered us some hot drinks and cake, and it was a joy. Uh, to be honest, I think he was slightly disappointed when he found out we were Christians, but uh, <laughs> there was an instant connection. Uh, I think we were probably the only visitors in the room at that point. Uh, no one else was venturing out in the rain, but we shared stories together of what we were doing in our churches and how we were connecting with our communities and our faith was built and connection was formed encouragement happened in that moment and I got out of the rain that's why God made fellowship so important he wanted us to come together so that we always know we're not alone so that we can help each other know more of Jesus there are also some really practical important reasons as to why we gather as the people of God uh, David Lavery spoke earlier in the year uh, on this topic and the purpose of gathering as a church when we kind of came back from that pandemic moment. And I just want to remind us of the five points that he raised when he spoke, because they're just really helpful. We gather to break bread. We did that this morning. We gather to hear the word of God and let it bear fruit in our lives, to pray. And most importantly, when we pray, to expect things to happen, to preach the gospel, the good news. Mission should be part of should be at the heart of who we are and to move in spiritual gifts and build up the church and encourage each other. These things are what the church does when it gathers and some of the things which are really difficult during the pandemic. But without each other, without being together, these things are difficult, aren't they? These things grow faith in each of us, help us see more of God 
and help us to live lives that are more like Christ. We require each other to do that. It's a mutual thing. So when we gather in his name, things happen. Our faith is grown and God moves. Coming together is a great way for each of us to grow in faith, isn't it? Reading our Bibles, praying are great ways to get close to God. But each of us have important lessons to impart to one another. When we come together in fellowship, we get to help and teach each other things. God gives us a gift of learning and growing when we come together in fellowship. We show each other how to live as God wants us to live and how we walk in his footsteps. Doing that by ourselves, we just don't get to benefit from each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must and does strengthen all of you. Fellowship strengthens and grows our faith in our living God. who desires for us to know him deeper. We know that when we gather, he is here with us. He's here with us. So fellowship grows our faith. It helps us see more of Jesus as we learn from each other, disciple each other and point each other to Jesus. And three, finally, fellowship expands God's kingdom. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. God designed his church to show the world who he is. As we gather in community, as we live lives together, as we invite others to join us on that journey, we actively show the world who he is. There's something unique about a church and the fellowship that a church has because Jesus is at the center. We want to create disciples of Jesus, not just help people make a decision. And that requires journeying together, building friendships, growing faith so that the, God's kingdom can be expanded. You can't easily love one another if you aren't part of community together. And the love that Christians have for one another, the friendships we've talked about, help influence others towards faith in Jesus. Because they help reflect God, God's perfect love for his world out of those who, uh, for those that don't know him, who don't know God as Father. Each of us together shows all of God's graces to the world. No one is perfect. We all sin, we all mess up, but each of us has a purpose here on earth to show God's aspect, aspects of God to those around us. Each of us has been given specific gifts. When we come together in fellowship, it's like us as a whole demonstrating something of God. Think of it like a cake. You need the flour, the sugar, the eggs, flavorings and other stuff, I don't bake, uh, to make a cake. The eggs will never be the flour. None of them make up the cake alone. Yet together, all these ingredients make a delicious cake if someone else bakes it. It is like that with fellowship. All of us together show the glory of God, and it's absolutely beautiful. Romans 12 says, For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So let me be clear. Fellowship just for friendship, is just a social club. And to be honest, there are certainly better places to go for a social club than here. Fellowship, just for growing our faith, has some benefits. 
but it by itself only leads to an inward-looking clique who love God. But together we get to show and display something to the world that we've been forgiven, we've got a calling and a mission to the world around us, the desperate world around us, to see something of God. Fellowship, as talked about in Acts, is a deep friendship that has Jesus at the center and brings people together, no matter of their differences, to grow in faith so that together as the church we can display the beauty of God to those around us. Fellowship builds friendship, fellowship grows faith, but fellowship expands God's kingdom, and that's why we're all here. That is why God created us for community, to live lives together, showing the world who he is. So if this morning being here was really difficult for you, or even not possible and you're watching from home, it's not about meeting for the sake of meeting. But let's gather together to be motivated by seeing God's kingdom expanded. Let's be devoted to who he has called us to be as workers in his kingdom as beautifully created individuals who together display his wonder and his majesty. That's why we gather. That's why we, this thing called church exists, to show the world who God is. As I've said before, church is not a meeting on a Sunday. We are the church. The people of God are the church. The fellowship of, of his believers is a wonderful thing for the looking in world to see God. We were created for community. Community with God and community with each other. So this morning when I was preparing, I kind of felt like there were some different groups of people here today and God wants to do something in each of us as we respond. So maybe your answer to my first question as I started out of why are you here was simply because you're a Christian and going to church is what you do. Sunday comes round and you can tick off church for the week. Can I challenge you? We aren't here because it's the right thing to do as a Christian. The church, the people of God, isn't about a weekly meeting. It's the family of God living lives for him together. If your only connection is simply on a Sunday and you've ticked off church for the week, I'm going to say it bluntly, you are so far from where God's design for your life is. Your relationship with him and your brothers and sisters can look so much better. I want, to, I want to pray you see your relationship to God and with those here in a totally different light. As the community and family of God who you were created to be a part of and not just attend. We have a vital role in living out the mission of God together in fellowship with each other taking the mission of God into all aspects of our lives. God is calling you deeper this morning, and that can be a challenge. Maybe this morning you were in the, the very settled category. You have some great friends here. You, are, you kind of enjoy hanging out together. You know God, but really your fellowship is primarily with each other and then secondly with God. The benefits of coming along on a Sunday are more about the friendship part and the growing your faith part, or the taking your love for Jesus to the world around you part. Maybe you are nodding along and agreeing in your head, but if you are honest with yourself, your relationship with Jesus is secondary. Can I challenge you too? 
to realign your priorities, to put God back as the foundation and let his spirit lead you to a deeper love and desire for him because he has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. And then finally this morning, maybe you're the one looking in, seeing something powerful and unique here, seeing the fellowship of God's people gathering, seeing his spirit at work, seeing the beauty of how God is using us as a bunch of broken, definitely challenged people to display something of who he is, that cake. Well, I'd, I'd encourage you this morning to jump in, to seek more of God, to ask the questions, to build some friendships and to question your faith in community together. Our God transforms and he loves you and he wants you to be his friend and he wants to do a transformational work in you. Let's journey together. Let's enjoy God together. So I don't know where each of you are at this morning. I don't know whether any of those three categories are where you're going, hmm, maybe that's me. But I know that God wants to do something in each of us. He wants to deepen our relationships with him and with each other. And I know he's at work. And I know that he is building his church. I know that his church will be expanded. His kingdom will come as we devote ourselves to him and to fellowship. So let me pray. I'll invite Adam back up. And I'd encourage each of you to be vulnerable this morning, vulnerable with each other as we respond together as community. He pours out his grace upon us. So it's okay if this feels difficult. It's okay if we've not always got this right personally because he loves you and he wants to draw you closer. He wants you to be closer this morning and he wants you to be part of this family. So open your hearts. Let him speak. Let him in. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. First and foremost, we thank you that you desire relationship with each of us, friendship, deep friendship with each of us, that you cause us to love you, Lord, that you created us for community with yourself. Thank you for the joy that that is, Lord. Remind us this morning, grow that relationship we have have with you deeper this morning, or maybe start it for the first time. But Lord, help us see the beauty of your church as we gather, as we build friendship, as we help each other know more of you, as you are at the centre of all that we do. Help us, Lord, to see what your church is all about. Lord, Holy Spirit, work in us. Bring conviction, bring challenge this morning, Lord. So that your church can display the beauty of who you are to the world around us so that your kingdom can be expanded, Lord. We love you. Do our work in us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got a bit of time. Adam will lead us, but I'd also encourage you to pray with each other, if that's helpful, to be vulnerable with each other, to answer those questions together if that's needed, to go, actually, that's me, and Lord, come and do something in me. So we've got, we've got 10 minutes. We're not going to rush this time together as we respond to God's calling on our lives.